People Powered Radio 2XX FM 98.3, a volunteer, not for profit community station accessible to all. If independence and diversity are important to you, become part of the 2XX FM community by subscribing, donating, sponsoring, or volunteering. Go to 2XXFM.org.au. Ah, yes, can only agree with the uh, words of on that promo. Independence and diversity are important, uh, Marion. Anyway, my Indeed name's Jeff. My co-presenter is Marion. Good morning. Good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning, listeners. How are we this morning on this beautiful spring day? It is, isn't it? Yes, Gorgeous. suddenly knocked me and said, hello, wake up, it's five to eight. <laughs> spring exists. <laughs> it certainly did. Um, for those not familiar with your show and news from the drug war front, it is um, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, and the Connection, Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations clients. Uh, we obviously promote the you know, broad array of services provided by Karma, which seems to be ever-increasing. And we also report on stories relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world and hopefully uh, give some interesting discussion and uh, education about the need for different approaches to um, the current one, which is just global prohibition, which um, we've had for five-plus decades. So that's essentially uh, what the show is, bit of news, bit of discussion, bit of music, and hopefully get you thinking. That's right. That's what we want to do is we want you to think about drugs Legal drugs and illegal drugs, or illicit and illicit drugs, their availability, their quality, their quantity, their purity, their price, and what you do about them and what other people are doing about them. Because drug use is not just about what you take and what you want and what you put into your body. It's all about everybody in the community it is a global issue well everybody knows somebody who uses illicit drugs and everybody barring none uses some kind of legal drug or a, a drug that can be considered well a substance that can be considered a drug there's no two ways about it caffeine's a drug Indeed. Yeah. Well, fortunately, in the ACT, we have uh, Karma, which is a um, peer-based drug use organisation, which is a- able to help people with uh, a whole range of issues, which you might want to I just summarise. I a bit more about. Yep. yep. Um, perfectly happy to do that. Now, look, Canberra and The Connection, just by the by to start things off, are having the annual general meeting on the 30th of November which is a Thursday, I believe. Thursday? Yep, okay. Thursday. Um, it's on at tw- starts at 12 o'clock on November the 30th. It will be at um, Havelock House, which is on Northbourne Avenue. starts at 12 and finishes at 2-ish. Um, it will have, of course, all the stuff that is important to a non-government organisation. Yep. You can register as a member. Contact Karma on 6253 3643. Yeah, that's Become probably the best idea. Become a member if yeah. you want to. Well, come to the annual general meeting. I can, uh, we'll tell you more about it as the weeks go on and we get closer, get closer. to it. Yep. But the AGM requires notification of agenda items about three weeks, 21 days, I think, is maximum before the occurrence of the AGM. If you want to put something on the on the agenda, you need to notify Karma 
early enough so that it can be included in the agenda papers and a discussion can be held. Well, all these things have dates and protocols and That's procedures. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll tell, talk a little bit more about it as the show goes on, but let me tell you a bit about karma for those people who don't know. We think that all people who use drugs should be treated with dignity and respect, both as human beings and consumers of health and social services. Karma works to reduce the discrimination and stigma experienced by drug users and sometimes experienced to drug users by other drug users, if we think about it. Karma also speaks for our community's equal rights by progressing drug law reform agendas. Karma and The Connection is the drug user organisation, the consumer organisation for the ACT. Karma is a not-for-profit incorporated association. It's recognised as part of the ACT specialised drug treatment organisation and conducts peer-based drug treatment from our drop-in community centre, which is at... in uh, Belconnen... <coughs> Excuse me. On uh, the first floor of uh, Belconnen Way, is it? The Level Church 1 Church Centre, 54 right. Benjamin Way. I think Way. it's Shop 13 or something. Normally I have that right in front of me in front. In fact, and I should know it off by heart, but I don't. Yeah, you anyway, can always ring the number and double check. Six two five three three six four three. 3643 And I can only say, please, contact Karma if you want to know a bit more about what Karma's doing and what it can do for you. Indeed. Um, it's got programs like Peer Treatment Support Program, the Connections First Nation Program, the Karma Naloxone Program, which is a training and overdose response and referral workshop, um, News from the, the That's Us, the Drug Warfront Radio Show, Rich Teach Treat Hep C Peer Education uh, with Hep C, Karma Primary Healthcare Clinic, which is on every Thursday. Which is great. At yep. 11 o'clock. The doctor turns up, it starts at 10. Karma's open from 10 till 4, Monday to Friday, um, every weekday. So uh, unless otherwise notified, and we'll usually tell you about that. Evidently, the doctor saw 14 clients last week, I was told. That's fabulous. I'm really pleased to hear it. Most people, in fact, a lot of people in Canberra, not most people necessarily, but a lot of injecting drug users do not have their own private general practitioner and that's a real issue but karma provides a health clinic which you can drop into without an appointment every thursday where there will be a doctor and a nurse and that's conducted in collaboration with directions Indeed, and we thank them for that but you need to know that that's available to you and if just ring up if you're worried about it i'll tell you that number again and then i'll chop off which is six two five three Three six four three. Yeah, if in doubt, call that number. When in doubt, you call the landline for. And you can either be helped at the time or make an appointment to yep. see someone or and it, referral. Look, if we don't know what you have, what you want to do, or how to go about it, we'll tell you someone who can. Indeed. Okay, so referral is a, and you can just do that over the phone. Find that out over the phone. It's a fabulous. Somebody service. at Karma will know what to do about what you want to achieve. Indeed. Okay. Uh, look, we often talk about CanTest, the drug testing uh, facility, which is a, a breakthrough for the ACT. Um, the information I got from Mitch was just essentially MDMA and cocaine continue to be recorded as potent. Um, so that's probably the most important uh, issue out of 
uh, to come up recently. Um, Tuesday and Friday, there's the pinprick testing for hep C, so you can find out your status between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Um, please please ring and um, just... Yeah, absolutely. And look, pinprick is so un- uninvasive. Oh, it's yeah? so and easy, yeah. It is so easy to do and there is no indignity in having it done. It's You don't have to fill yourself up with half a dozen glasses of water before you have blood taken. You just need a little spot of blood to be tested for the presence of hepatitis C. Easy as. So not, it's not an invasive procedure at all and really want to people to get it done because you will be amazed at what the Reach, Teach, Treat, Thrive uh, project or program can do for you through the treatment program, oh, through the, the medication, the response that your body will have will knock you out, knock you sideways because you won't realise how badly you've been feeling until you start to feel better. Exactly. It's like having a headache because you're knocking your head on a brick wall oh, yeah. and not realising that that's what you're doing. So it it's stops hurting when you stop knocking your head. Yep, Louise has asked me to mention that the uh, women's support group are having a Christmas party on December the 15th at 11.30. So if you're involved with that, again, call Karma and uh, have a chat with Louise. Uh, The Venoscope um, is uh, pretty much uh, sort of um, run by Peter. Uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, you can pop in. That's right. And it's a tell you what, they're magic little machines, but you can find out where a viable vein is and that's so difficult for long-term injectors. It's really hard to say what those who have been long-term injectors will know. But you can find a viable injection site simply by using the venoscope. Indeed. Uh, I think... Pete prefers to do it on Monday. Is that still the case, Jeffrey, as far as you know? Uh, look, I asked him, he said either Monday, Wednesday or Friday. Okay, well, um, that's when he's there and yep. he basically um, will, knows how to do it and will do it for you. So, again, ring 62533643 because that's one thing it probably is a good idea to make sure you have um, an appointment for, to make, make sure, sure Pete's there. Yeah, yeah? make sure it. It's available. Make um, sure it's available and yep. there aren't going to be another 20 people in waiting for it. Yeah, there's, um, we had at the staff meeting a, um, a speaker from Catholic Care, Riddy, who's actually been on our show years ago, and um, she's starting up a, a, a new uh, program. So we're likely to have her on the show as a special guest in two weeks. Okay, good. Um, which will be good. And uh, later on, we'll mention a vigil that's going to be held on Wednesday down in Victoria on the steps of Parliament House. Um, a bit like our uh, remembrance ceremony, but, you know, larger. Melbourne's a bigger city. And they've asked people to bring a battery-powered candle and a photo of a loved one that they've lost to a drug overdose. So, um, so that's we'll... on Wednesday the 15th of July? Wednesday the 15th of November. Uh, oh, July. Um, Where did I get that from? Sorry, Wednesday the 15th of November at 6 6 o'clock on the steps on of Parliament. Parliament steps. Yeah. Oh, that's in Melbourne, that one, isn't it? That's in Melbourne, that one. Is um, there one? Are we having one in Canberra? No. Well, we've had a remembrance ceremony with, you know, family friends for drug law reform run. Um, that's already been held for this year. Um, I don't know of any other event that's been organised. But anyway, if you know someone down in Melbourne and uh, that'd like to go, it's uh, Parliament House at six o'clock. Um, and also, what else have I got? 
And that's probably about up to date with um, current issues. Yes, the first Tuesday of every month um, at 2pm on is the Overdose Recognition Response Workshop with naloxone that Dave conducts. Indeed. Uh, David generously stepped in and helped with the show while Jeffrey was away. Which I really um, appreciate. Good to have you back, by the way, Jeffrey. Thank Sorry you. to say that. And thank you, Dave, for your cooperation, your assistance while Jeffrey was absent. No, thank you, Dave. Much appreciated. Um, I've got a, a, a community notice that Mitch gave me. High dose found in MDMA sample, a green press pill printed with an A, like an anarchy press, uh, is expected to contain ecstasy, was found to contain 146 milligrams of MDMA freebase or 174 milligrams of MDMA HCI. What does this mean? This amount of MDMA is approximately twice the amount that someone may usually expect to take either recreationally or medicinally. Um, Effects and signs of overdose can include signs of serotonin toxicity, uh, including confusion, agitation and overheating. Seizures or fits and irregular heart rhythm can also be signs of an overdose. So in an emergency, timing is crucial. If you experience these or any other unexpected events, call triple O immediately. And this is where having people on on scene at music festivals is so important. important, absolutely. And I'm hoping Spilt Milk will have... um, testing uh, service this year again. Uh, I think it's going to, um, but I don't think it's 100% locked in. But Yes. Okay, uh, well, let's hope that that's the case. We've had results from um, Cantis and we've brought them to you. That's a drug-taking organisation. We've brought them to you every, every time month. we get a new one and sometimes more often than um, some people would like, but that's the way it goes. We do need to try and tell people what kind of drugs are around, and the way we find out is by using the drug checking organisation. Oh, it's that amazing is at, Just okay. I just wanted to say that that's available from uh, uh, three to six pm on Thursday, and Friday from six to nine pm at the City Community Health Centre, One More Street, Canberra City. So that's on the ground floor, um, and please get in touch with them and use it. They will not need your name and they only need a tiny little bit of your yeah, drug. Don't take your to whole, take it. whole yeah. lot. Um, they just add, they say, test your stuff. We're issuing, issuing this notice because while the expected drug and the actual drug were, found, were the same, the amount found in a single pill was more than double the dose someone may normally take, wow. either recreationally or medicinally. And they say, start low and go slow. Take half or less, wait at least two hours before redosing and ask a trusted person to check on you. Now, never use alone. Yes, I think that's I can't very, say that often enough yeah. because that's why people die is because they're keeping it secret. Illicit drug use is a secretive behaviour. It's a very... Two things that people don't often share is how they like their sex and how they like their drugs. Yeah, so they're not likely to tell everybody when they're using. And if you're meant to be staying straight, you're not going to make it public. So if you know someone you trust, well, how many people died from? Well, that's what I was just going to say. People have died simply because the first thing they do when they get out of jail or out of rehab is they test their drugs. They buy some drugs and they test them, and because they do that, they overdose or they. Uh, have a bad reaction to the drug, but by, because they're by themselves and no one's checking up on them, they die for want of a telephone call. Yeah, 
Karen Naloxone. Okay, we'll go to our first song, and this has been requested by uh, Jack and many other people. It's Red Hot Chili Peppers, Peppers and Under the Bridge. Take me 
right. That was the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Under the Bridge. I did like that song, Jeffrey. I just remembered that my nephew had gone to say the Red Hot Chili Peppers in Sydney when they came and toured, but I didn't remember that that was the name of the song, so I understand why it's been requested now. What a lucky fellow. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, news from the Drug War Front reports a new story is relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. Of course, many of the articles come from other sources, including mainstream media, and the contents of this broadcast slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of karma and the connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use, and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. So we're there to help people um, make it as safe as possible. That's right. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. Um, do we want to run through this one about the coroner uh, report in Victoria? Given I th- just look, I think that's probably a really good idea. Well, I was surprised. I didn't. I thought since the uh, supervised injecting centre um, first, you know, came into existence, maybe overdose rates had gone down. But indeed, uh, not. Yeah, no, that's not the case. Not apparently. the case. Um, so this is the ketamine one. Yeah. Uh, this is coroner reports 2022 as Victoria's worst ah, year yep. for overdose okay, deaths okay. in Got a decade. It. Yep. Uh, ABC Radio Melbourne, November the eighth. With 549 lives lost, Victoria recorded its worst year in a decade for drug overdose deaths during 2022, but the state government remains tight-lipped about the prospect of a second Melbourne safe injecting room. Overdose deaths across Victoria increased by nearly 10% in 2022, according to the new report from the coroner's court. Deaths by heroin overdose increased by a third in the same period. More than 75% of overdose deaths occurred in metropolitan Melbourne, but the rate per capita was similar in regional Victoria. Victorian State Coroner Judge John Kane said it was, quote, not a young people problem, with 400 of the deaths in the 35 to 54 age group. Quote, it's rarely, if ever, one drug alone. About 70% of overdoses involve multiple drugs, Judge Kane said, speaking to Raph Epstein on ABC Radio Melbourne Morning's program. Space, uh, sorry, uh, Melbourne heroin use um, was behind the rise in overdose deaths, the report said. Judge Kane said users often mixed illegal and pharmaceutical drugs with alcohol in a, quote, ongoing cocktail. In the end, unfortunately and sadly, it often leads to their death. Mm, indeed it does. Judge Kane said access to support, treatment and education must improve and, quote, law enforcement alone was not a solution. He said, you can't just do one thing and expect it to solve a problem. He said, coronial data contributed to understanding, quote, how best to save lives. Melbourne heroin use soars. Judge Kane said heroin was the biggest contributor to the overall increase in fatalities. The coroner's court report showed overdose deaths involving heroin increased by 33% between 2021 and 2022, with lives lost increasing from 173 to 230. 80% of those deaths took place in metropolitan Melbourne. 
While more analysis was needed, Judge Kane said he suspected the amount of heroin available on the market had increased. The coroner's court report followed renewed calls from uh, 20 of Victoria's peak medical bodies and unions who urged the Victorian government to open a supervised injecting room in Melbourne's central business district. The Yarra, Melbourne, Brimback, Port Phillip, Brimbank, sorry, Port Phillip, Greater Dandenong and Greater Geelong local government areas have been the most frequent locations for overdose deaths since 2013. Annual overdose deaths involving methamphetamines have nearly tripled since 2013, reaching a record high of 141 deaths in 2022. Wow, it goes no less than catastrophic. Victorian Alcohol and Drug Association describes the number of overdose deaths in 2022 as, quote, no less than catastrophic. It's the highest rate since at least 2009, but likely the highest on record for this state. Up until the release of this data, we would hear that there was one fatal overdose per month in the CD, CBD. That is now doubled. Mm. It's an unambiguous and dramatic indicator of worsening heroin-related harms in the city of Melbourne. Um, and it just goes on to confirm uh, what the coroner has said. Um, perhaps you could just finish up with the safe in- second safe injecting room still in limbo, which is... Yes, it's pretty much what it is. Hard um, to believe. Um, Recently appointed uh, Minister for Mental Health, Ingrid Stitt, said she didn't want to rush into a decision about the proposed Melbourne CBD safe injecting room. She told Richard Willingham on ABC Radio Melbourne Mornings that the government would respond to the report in due course. I hate that expression. In due course means a bit like the New South Wales, you know. Um, investigation into what top into what's going to happen with their drug use. Yeah. Um, Judge Kane said the debate about a second safe injecting room was a matter for government and the community, but in general he's supportive of that kind of service because they not only provided a safe environment for drug use, they were also a space for education support. Um, down the bottom, the Victorian government received the report in May. Ms Stitt said she would not say whether the government was still committed to the oh, CBD no. injecting room. That's a problem. Yeah. We made no decisions at this point in time, but I, what I do know is there's significant drug harm going on in the CBD. We need to look carefully at what best approach is to minimise harm, but we also need to consider the city in terms of amenity for both residents and business owners. Unfortunately, we need to do it quickly. Look at the evidence. The the coroner's report is unequivocal. That's Um, right. I mean... Well, look, the issue basically is, is, I mean, it's all kind of a moot point. It's been decided. It's essential. It's needed. It's required. And I it thought it was all ready there. to go, but yeah. it keeps getting delayed. There's no or... point in going back and saying we've got to talk about this because we've done that. Yeah, it's needed. It has been done. Yeah. The decision to, that it's required is there. And the coroner does not mince words. He's That's right. Pretty clear cut. No um, two ways about it. There are no. That is, it's just not a debated issue. No, it's a serious issue. Okay, we're just coming up to the eleven uh, o'clock national news, and then we shall uh, return. So Indeed. we'll go to the news. Yes, welcome back to News from the Drug War Front. We mentioned before about the ketamine use hitting a record peak in Australia. I found the, a bit more information. Uh, it says spiralling li- living costs have had little effect on illicit drug use as Australians consume record amounts of ketamine and other banned substances. 
latest uh, wastewater monitoring report from the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission showed that the use of both methamphetamine and cocaine had reached the highest levels in three years. The ASIC said Australians were relatively high per capita users of illicit stimulants in particular and were willing to pay premium prices for drugs. While the average consumption of heroin, MDMA and fentanyl had decreased compared with the last report, there were increases in alcohol and oxycodone use. Methamphetamine and cocaine consumption increased to the highest levels recorded since 2020. In April 2023, the data showed record high ketamine use in cities and the regions, with higher consumption in capitals than in regional areas. In cities, per person use of methamphetamine, cocaine, MDMA, heroin and ketamine exceeded that of regional areas. But in the regions, alcohol, nicotine, oxycodone, fentanyl and cannabis consumption exceeded per capita use in capital cities. Uh, it said the release of the report came as uh, the Victorian Coroner's Court said the state had recorded the highest number of overdose deaths in a decade, which we just uh, spoke about. Um, so it continues drug consumption estimates derived from wastewater data when used in combination with other data such as seizure, arrest, price, purity, health and availability data provide the most comprehensive empirically based insights into Australian drug markets. Well, I'd have to disagree with that. I would say that um, the actual uh, high-tech precision uh, testing of black market drugs is uh, the most accurate and incontrovertibly accurate uh, evidence, but... Let's not quibble over that. In turn, these data reveal drug market resilience, but also points of vulnerability that present opportunities to inform harm reduction strategies that improve the safety of the Australian community. That would be nice. Excluding nicotine and alcohol, the data showed that cannabis was the most consumed drug by a large, large margin. Cannabis use has increased in capital cities, but decreased in regional areas. In the latest reporting period, MDMA consumption continued an ongoing trend of a decline in consumption since December 2019. Heroin consumption decreased in capital city and regional areas to a level that was the fourth lowest since the wastewater program began in 2017. I've never seen anything that actually tells us how much this wastewater program actually costs the taxpayer um, for what I would say is at best... Um, <laughs> you know, marginally useful um, data. Uh, anyway, oxycodone consumption increased in both capital city and regional areas, while fentanyl consumption decreased in both. The data was collected in all states and territories covering more than half the population. So ketamine has hit a record peak. All right, um, let's, let's go to a song. I thought I'd play um, Cold Chisel and uh, Flame Trees. It's a beautiful song.
Right, it's 12 minutes past 11. That was uh, Flame Trees by the mighty Cold Chisel and you're listening to News from the Drug War Front on 2XX 98.3 FM, people-powered radio with Jeff and Marin. And uh, look, we're going to whip overseas to Vancouver. Vancouver Activist Rally. Now, this is the Drug Users Liberation Front, the Compassion Club after police raid. Jeffrey loves his group and I do too. I just think that they are... Just the courage and the yeah. direct action. And, just and they demand things, Jeffrey. They don't. They don't just say, "Please, can we have?" Well, they've done yeah. everything. They've sent letters. They've talked. They've begged. Yeah. They've presented and now information. Up to, this is what's needed. Do it. Well, the carnage. They've lost so many yeah. people. It's like like coming onto the radio show every week and having to tell people the same information, and feeling. The same uh, second-class citizens, if you like, in that we have to encourage people to discuss these issues. Yeah, yeah, I love and that's really important. Anyway, it'd be nice to have this. something like that here, but I, I can't see it happening. Yep. Now, look, the chancellor. This is the article by Dustin Godfrey from FilterMag.org from November the sixth. Drug chance ran out, uh, rang out at a November the three rally in the downtown east side of Vancouver, British Columbia. Quite, quote, that uh, said, save supply or we die. One, two, three, fuck the VPD. And, quote, D-U-L-F saves lives. Hundreds were gathered in support of an unsanctioned compassion club operated by the D-U-L-F, the Drug User Liberation Front, on October the 25th. The Vancouver Police Department raided it and arrested two operators. The police action has drawn widespread condemnation, including an open letter signed by an array of organisations and individuals. 
DULF supporters blocked off the intersection at Main and Hastings Street before marching six blocks to west to uh, Wex West to Victory Square. Speakers praised the group's efforts to undercut the toxic, unregulated drug supply in an area where one in 200 people die from exposure to this supply each year. Wow. DULF's Compassion Club has been distributing tested heroin, cocaine and methamphetamine to 43 participants for just over a year. It was a continuation of... Uh, earlier one-off drug distribution protests DULF has conducted, including on days the BC Coroner's Service announced the monthly death tolls. The Compassion Club launched despite Health Canada's April 2022 rejection of DULF's application for an exemption from Canada's Controlled Drugs and Substances Well, Act. as I said, they tried everything. Absolutely. Yeah. They tried asking nicely. Nicely. Okay, uh, Eris Nix and Jeremy Callicum, who are two um, Dolph operators who were arrested and whose homes were raided, have not been charged as things stand, but the raids have shut the operations down, at least for now. Mm. Garth Mullins, who, um, if, if you're interested in hearing about what's going on in Canada, his podcast is called Crackdown, yep. and I highly recommend it. Um, it's brilliant. They've got more money for p- production values and um, time yeah. to do vox pops and interviews, but uh, it, it's issues based. And um, well, not only that, but you know, Vancouver is a place where you can be out as a drug user and not be descended upon simply for being a drug user. Oh, they have a different attitude. Politically, there's a different attitude. Yeah, he's out as you can be, yeah. Okay, Garth Mullins, a founding member of Dolph and the host of the Crackdown podcast, told Filter uh, mag- uh, magazine at the rally that he was happy with the turnout. The purpose, he said, was not only to demand that Nixon Keller come uh, not be charged, it was also to push back on recent right-wing attacks on harm reduction, safe supply and decriminalisation, with the government's tentative support for harm reduction, quote, collapsing in response. Everyone has an inalienable right to a safe supply, he said. The focus right now, Garth said, is to support Nixon Calicum as they face potential legal troubles. As for whether similar efforts um, to the Compassion Club will continue in the future, he replied, stay tuned. Mm. Um, Kendall Yan, a participant at the rally, told Filter, quote, the city has the thing where they always say, well, we're doing the research. Let's be honest, the research has been done and it's very, very clear. Safe supply is the only thing that's going to help with people dying from the toxic drug supply. And listeners will realise that was what we were talking about in the last article from Melbourne. Yeah, if they could, gen- they could be sure of safe supply. There wouldn't have been those in, be that increase, 33% increase in deaths. Yeah? People die because it's prohibition, it's a black market, it's all about profit, and yep. if they can you know, cut their drugs with whatever, they don't often care at all, just as long as it bulks it out and they can That's make right. more for less. That's the other reason why the drug checking service is not only useful but essential. Absolutely. Um where did I get to? Jay Simpson. Uh, Jay Simpson attend the rally, attended in the rally with Yen, criticised the government's reliance on a medicalised form of safe supply and how this ignores the fact that most people who use drugs don't have a substance use disorder. Quote, you can die from recreational drug use. It could be your first time. If that is a toxic supply, 
Well, it's a toxic supply. It affects everyone and it affects everything, Simpson told Filter. When I was at Thompson Rivers University, one of the deans on a work trip went and used drugs and overdosed in his hotel room. It impacts every single person. Absolutely. Five of the Compassion Club's 43 participants praised Dolph's work in a statement read aloud at the rally by two Vancouver area network of drug users or Vandu members and published it in full online. Quote, with no one coming to save us, Dolph stepped up, showing the world that safe supply truly can save lives. We did our due diligence. We jumped through bureaucratic hoops, applying for a Section 56 exemption to the Drug Controlled Drugs and Substance Act, wrote the participants who have remained anonymous. The quote goes on, though this application was denied, the dying of our friends and family did not stop. They also noted that their Compassion Club operated transparently. Indeed, the group's group spoke publicly about its work in April and published a report in August to mark one year of operations. According to the report, which drew from interviews with participants, there were no known overdoses when people used only Dulce Supplies drugs, and many participants reported improvements in the various areas of their lives. Same thing happened in um, the United Kingdom, Jeffrey. When they had, their... where they had, but they had very medicalised yeah. approach to the provision of drugs. But they had a safe supply. Yeah. Um, okay. These included so the improvements in their lives included a forty-eight percent decrease in negative police interactions, fifty percent decrease in hospitalisation, and thirty-nine percent decrease in experiencing drug-related violence. A number of participants also reported that the program helped them to use drugs more safely and to reduce their reliance on illegal activities to fund their drug use. All positive. Absolutely. It goes on to say the interruption of the Compassion Club's operations now leaves some of its participants to switch from a heroin supply of known purity and dosages to a street supply that is mostly fentanyl and totally unpredictable unpredictable, which Mullins said is very concerning. The province has been steadfast in its refusal to aggressively expand access to medicalised safe supply or to look beyond a medical model. Quote, I think people are realising that over the past year, this backlash has been growing and that we all have to organise and kind of coalition up to push back against it, Mullins said. Just like how we won harm reduction, at least the small fits and starts of harm reduction that we've got through. Those fits and starts include syringe programs and safe consumption sites, which drug users and their allies operated unsanctioned and which were similarly antagonised by police before they became accepted and were implemented by governments. You've got to disobey unjust laws, Mullen said. That's a good quote, isn't it? Indeed. You've got to disobey unjust laws. Yeah. There are signs of sympathy from at least parts of British Columbia's government if you see somebody in a burning house, you feel somewhat justified to smash the window, said Chief Coroner Lisa Lapointe in releasing two new reports less than a week after Dolph was raided. The latest monthly British Columbia Coroner's Service report on deaths related to unregulated drugs, which counted 175 dead in the month of September, was released at the same time as a death review panel report, which said the urgency of the crisis, quote, requires pursuit of a non-medical model of safe supply. 
In a November the 1st two-page letter, the government quickly and with little explanation dismissed that primary recommendation which came from a panel of health professionals, public health experts, researchers, a child and youth advocate and also a police chief. At the Dolph rally, local activist and former city councillor Jean Swanson ran with LaPointe's quote, That's what Jeremy and Eris did, Swanson told the crowd to cheers. They smashed the window. Yeah, look, I think that's a great comment and a really great activity, something that should be lauded and should be advertised around the world, what's happening in Vancouver and indeed in Canada generally, but Mm -hmm. particularly in Vancouver, is really smashing a window, breaking open what used to be called the glass ceiling for women but is actually a glass window because we can see what ought to happen um, and isn't happening. But when it does happen, people get arrested for it despite the fact that they have gone to all lengths to ask, request, plead, Beg. beg to keep their members and their communities alive and what happens a member of the community goes away at a conference and dies because he uses a loan because he has to do it in secret and he doesn't know the quality or the purity of the drug one of the pioneers of harm reduction absolutely i remember how devastated you were jeffrey when that happened yeah i mean i'm assuming that was the person you were referring to yeah terribly sad it's dreadful and it shouldn't happen no. But it does. It happens. And it happens way too often for us to just sit back and say, I mean, a, a yearly remembrance ceremony is important. So we remember the individuals, but the actions and the response and the activity to say this is wrong should be a daily activity. Well, you reach a point of absolute frustration yes. and anger. And I know um, people in that part of Canada who have reached that point. And that's what Dolph are doing. They're saying, look, we've got the evidence, we've got the information, we've asked you nicely, what do you do? And what do you do? You raid our safe supply. Yeah. Yeah? Not everybody wants to go to a doctor because that's not where they get their drugs from. Well, that's why, you know, the old saying evidence-based policy, which you hear all the time, in this area... Just, it's not well, true. it's a laugh it's because they get the evidence and they don't act, make a policy. No. Yeah, there's no policy based on that evidence. It's like if we just stick with prohibition another year. Yeah, it'll, it'll just one more year, just a little bit longer. People die every day of that year that they're waiting. Yeah, I just we there's not that much time. The fact that we are alive, Jeff, is miraculous. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. not. Um, just lucky. It's mm. miraculous. Yeah. No, it's, uh, as I've said often, it's the hardest social justice issue to try and change. Yeah. Listen, I just need to say, by the way, we mentioned Karma's annual general meeting, yeah. but this is important. If you want to put a, an article or an item on the agenda, the notification of items must be by tomorrow. Which, no, today, the 14th of November. 
okay? Oh, okay? So you need to place any items on the agenda. Contact staff member Mitch Lamb on 62533643 by today. So it closes business notification of agendas, so, and that's really important. Oh, it's really important. Back to the location. It's 85 Northbourne Avenue, the Federation Room in Northbourne Avenue at Havelock House in Turner, Thursday the 30th of November from 12 till 2 and lunch will be provided. Nice. So they give you something to chew so you built up or I built up while they do the business. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really important and if you want to join as a member, you can do so, I think but it's you only need a dollar to join or something. before then. Yeah, minuscule. Yeah. All right, I'll just uh, play a quick uh, Rodriguez uh, track from this yeah. classic cold fact. It's called This Is Not A Song, It's An Outburst. <laughs> The mayor hides a crime rate, councilwoman hesitates, public gets irate, but forgets the vote date. Weatherman complaining, predicted sun, it's raining. Everyone's protesting, boyfriend keeps suggesting, you're not like all of the rest. Garbage ain't collected, women ain't protected Politicians using, people they're abusing The mafia's getting bigger, like pollution in the river And you tell me that this is where it's at I woke out this morning with a ache in my head I splashed on my clothes as I spilled out of bed I opened the window to listen to the news but all I heard was the establishment's blues Gun sales are soaring Housewives find life boring Divorce the only answer Smoking causes cancer This system's gonna fall soon To an angry young tune And that's a concrete co-fact The Pope digs population Freedom from taxation Teeny bops are uptight Drinking at a stoplight Mini skirt is flirting I can't stop so I'm hurting Spencer sells her hopeless chest Adultery plays the kitchen Bigot cops from fiction The little man gets shafted Sons and money's drafted Living by a timepiece New or in the Far East Can you pass a Rorschach test? It's a hassle, it's an educated guess well, frankly, I couldn't care less. All right, it's 29 minutes after 11. That was uh, Rodriguez from his classic uh, debut album, Cold Fact. This is not a song, it's an outburst, or the establishment blues. Mm. Okay, we've got a US uh, piece about the DEA's latest uh, actions. Yeah, it's entitled DEA Targets, Precursors, Pill Presses and Fentanyl Supply Change Crackdown. This is by Castalia Medrano from filtermag.org, November the 7th. Um, in the aftermath of the temporary class-wide fentanyl ban, the DEA, or Drug Enforcement Administration, ordered in 2018 a lot of the novel synthetic opioids cropping up in the United States faded away. Placing all fentanyl analogues under Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substances Act didn't improve anything for people who use the illicit drug supply. 
But from a forensics perspective, it made the supply a little more straightforward relative to what it had been. The only reason transnational trafficking organisations were pursuing fentanyl analogues was because they could do so legally, and without that incentive, they just went back to fentanyl. Yeah, and it was um, more powerful, easier, more bang for your buck. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Smaller, Small. easier to yep. secrete and get, you know, access to it. And yeah. it seems to get more powerful every time you read about the latest Absolutely. one, doesn't it? Well, actually, when you remember when we started, Jeffrey, we were hearing it was a thousand times stronger than heroin took. And we questioned that at the time, as I recall. And since then, we've actually had... Um, a reduction in those mammoth, um, you know, stigmatising yeah. figures that with very spurious sources. But they've wreaked a lot of havoc, haven't they? It certainly has, yeah. nonetheless. Uh, one analogue uh, stuck around, fluorofentanyl. Despite headlines characterising it as a newer and deadlier form of fentanyl, fluorofentanyl has been around for decades and its potency is about on par with fentanyl, usually a little lower. Fluorofentanyl's in- intermittent presence in autopsy reports has at times given the media something to latch on to, but it's functionally the same as fentanyl from the user end. Sources close to the situation say that in DEA forensic circles, fluorofentanyl's longevity is usually attributed to legally accessible precursors, the chemical ingredients used to manufacture it. On October 31st, the DEA finalised the proposed rule change that will regulate Uh, key precursor compounds under Schedule 1, as it's been angling to do so for several years. This change goes into effect at the end of November. Since April, when the White House rolled out its updated, quote, whole-of-government strategy for disrupting fentanyl supply chains, more and more resources have been funneled, funneled towards cracking down on precursors. Quote, many precursors are used for legitimate purposes and may be legally imported and exported, making it difficult to disrupt the movement of these chemicals. Customs and Border Protection stated, by targeting suspicious locations and recipients that demonstrate patterns of illicit activity, Customs and Border Protection can disrupt the supply chain of illicit fentanyl and its analogues, methamphetamine and other synthetic drugs. Disrupt, not stop, let's be honest. Yeah. Having just wrapped um, a precursor interdiction operation in uh, September, Customs and Border Protection launched a new one on October the 26th. Uh, in collaboration with the Department of Homeland Security. That same week, the DEA updated its special surveillance list for the first time since creating it back in 1999. Wow. Wow. The the special surveillance list doesn't carry any regulatory weight but does impose fines up to $250,000 on those who knowingly furnish trafficking organisations with any of the, quote, laboratory supplies on the list. The SSL has now doubled in size, but not all the additions are precursors. Uh, in step with CBP, it's going uh, uh, after not just the compounds used to manufacture fentanyl and other synthetic drugs, but also the equipment used to press it into pills. Mm, that was what I was going through in my head just then. What you know? What about the test the tubes? What about yeah. the pill presses? Those kinds of things. Fentanyl. The article goes on. Fentanyl pressed pills arrived in the Western US during the beginning of COVID nineteen pandemic. But they arrived in the border public consciousness during August 2022 um, when rainbow fentanyl hit the media. 
Tableting equipment associated with counterfeit pill production was in the original um, SSL or the special supply list, but the list now explicitly includes punches and dyes, the equipment that presses powder fentanyls into pills and marks the pills with etchings. The DEA's One Pill Can Kill <laughs> fentanyl awareness campaign largely hinges on the premises that counterfeit pills look nearly identical to the real thing, and some of them do. These are the ones that serve the DEA narrative in which the overdose crisis primarily uh, affects unsuspecting teenagers buying counterfeit oxycodone over Snapchat. And people in the... Da- in that demographic are at risk, but not the highest risk. Cracking down on precursors just punishes manufacturers further into the unknown, pushes them, sorry, further into the unknown, fracturing the illicit drug supply in a way that affects everyone, but mostly drug users living in poverty. Well, what a surprise that would be, Jeffrey. <laughs> Discouraging retailers from selling punches and dyes won't necessarily mean for the population mean much for the population at highest risk of overdose. There's no reason to waste time on and resources making something count of it look believable when it's going to someone living in an encampment and who will smoke it off tinfoil. That buyer knows that they don't know what's in it. Exactly. Not safe supply. And absolutely. Absolutely. We've always known that. We don't know what's in it until the drug checking facility became available and because it's there now it should be used and until it it is until the drug checking facility can test is used up to its um full capacity Mm -hmm. it will not have the pressure to extend further or to have its hours extended and we do need its hours extended we do need it available more often and at more accessible times absolutely couldn't agree more mary yeah so make use of it and if you if it's not available when you need it Tell them or write them a letter or send them an email or write one to your local member and say it needs to be available when I need to use it, not when it can afford to be, fu- when it can be funded to be available. It it's needs not to enough. be open extra hours. Absolutely. No, no question. But and um, we need it before and at every music festival that we have in the ACT and its districts. Absolutely. No, well said, Naz. Um, yeah, look, if anyone wants any extra information, of course, uh, call Karma, 6253 3643. And as Mary mentioned before, the deadline for putting um, issues on the AGM agenda is... It's close of business today. ...today and yep. contact Mitch Lamb. And that needs to be... You need to know that, people, and we really need to get things done. So why not that put that on the agenda, say, Karma... You know, Carmen needs to call Get its involved, members. Yeah. Call for an extension of the available of the available of Cantes. Of Cantes. Fantastic idea. Yeah. All right, I might uh, play the old classic "Perfect Day" because we need a bit of a, an uplift, and uh, and then we'll come back with another overseas story. It's this uh, classic Lou Reed. Just a perfect day Drink sangria in the park 
And then later, when it gets dark, we go home. Just a perfect day. Feed animals in the zoo. Then later, a movie too, and then home. Classic uh, Lou Reed, uh, Perfect Day. Okay, we're into the home stretch of this week's news from the Drug War Front, presented by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, from TWX People Powered Radio, 98.3 FM. Now, we've got a piece that's uh, from overseas, but it's quite interesting. Its uh, heading is Just Say No uh, didn't actually protect students from drugs. Here's what could by Lee Gaines, opb.org, November November the 11th. Mm. We've got really bad hay fever. It's um, a bit hard to uh, get some of these words out. The 19-year-old recounts a recent incident in which his friends got a hold of a drug that test strips showed was laced with fentanyl. 
a potent, often deadly synthetic opioid. That's kind of when I decided that caution is not like a best practice, but a survival technique, said the University of California Berkeley student. And yet those survival techniques were never talked about in Myers Middle and High School drug education classes. In fact, he says they didn't mention fentanyl at all. He says those classes totally failed to prepare him and his peers for an increasingly dangerous drug landscape in which a single high can have deadly consequences. Myers says he learned every, uh, everything knows about fentanyl from friends and older siblings, but it didn't have to be that way. We could have learned uh, safety way ahead of time. For decades, students like Myers have been told to just say no to drugs. Mm, such, message, a, such a useful strategy. <laughs> thank you, Nancy Reagan. That was a cracker. The message was repeated in public service announcements and in classroom presentations, but research shows that this approach uh, doesn't work. And now overdose deaths amongst teenagers have skyrocketed, largely due to fentanyl. The synthetic opioid was involved in the vast majority of teenager overdose deaths in 2021, according to the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention. Many of those deaths involved fentanyl-laced counterfeit prescription pills that didn't come from a pharmacy and the problem has followed teenagers onto campuses. Some experts say drug education that focuses on harm reduction techniques designed to keep people safe when they choose to, to use could save lives. Here's what that looks like. Mm. Teaching safety measures for when students do choose to use. Quote, the most important tenet of drug education is to be honest, says Professor Bonnie Halpin Felscher. And we have, ba have a balanced perspective, and to have a balanced perspective. We cannot lie, we cannot exaggerate to teens. Halpern Felscher directs Stanford University's REACH Lab, which focuses on understanding, preventing and reducing teen and young adult substance use, among other risky behaviours. Her lab maintains a high school curriculum called Safety First, uh, in brackets, initially developed by the non-profit organisation Drug Pol Pol Policy Alliance, which encourages young people to abstain from drug use while also providing them with information to reduce the risk of addiction and death if they or their friends do choose to use. The concept is called harm reduction. So obviously news to them. First, Halpern Fisher says students need to know the facts about drugs, including their benefits and their harms. I mean, that's obviously Pretty obvious, true, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but this is United States. We have to remember that yeah. they're talking about the Yanks whose first uh, response is just say no. Yeah. And beyond that, it gets uh, more complex. Yeah. For example, opioids like fentanyl have been used... Uh, safely in healthcare facilities for decades to treat patients' pain. But when used recreationally, either purposefully or unknowingly, it's extremely dangerous because very small amounts can lead to an overdose. Activities, not just lectures, should be used to demonstrate a lesson. Help and Felscher explains the Safety First curriculum includes an activity that asks students to add sugar to one pitcher of water and salt to another. Quote, you cannot see the difference, but you can and potentially, but one can and potentially will really hurt you. And this is why it's so important for you to understand that you cannot just simply pick up a drug and go ahead and use it's it. It's an interesting way of... 
Put it in. It is indeed. The curriculum also outlines safety measures for when students or their friends do choose to use drugs. Messages like, point one, if you're using drugs, the healthiest choice is to stop using or at least cut down on how much and how often you use. Then, ideally, you're using drugs only as recommended by a doctor or a pharmaceutical label. But if you're not, don't take a lot of any drug. Wait and see how it affects you before you take any more. Third, consider your mindset before using drugs. What you're thinking and feeling before and during substance use can affect your experience. Fourth, consider the setting. Where and with whom you're using drugs can reduce your chance of injury or death. Then, check the substance before you use it. Testing a drug for things like fentanyl can reduce the risk of harm, but even test strips aren't always 100% accurate. It's something we haven't thought about, Jeffrey, really, is it? No. Just the fairly basic things, but it's important. Don't mix drugs is the next thing. The effects from one or from combining drugs, may be stronger and more unpredictable than one drug alone, and even deadly. Then, knowing how to respond in an emergency, spot the signs of an overdose, call 911, place someone on their side to prevent choking, administer opioid overdose reversal medication, naloxone, it's often sold under the brand Narcan or Nixoid, in the case of the ACT, where we use the nasal, nasal spray. Help and Felsher knows some people might interpret harm reduction as encouraging teams, teens to use drugs, but she says that's a misperception. Quote, the most important piece of this curriculum is not to use, but if they're going to use or if they're in situations where they might be using or I might say... I might personally watching other people use, we're just trying to keep them safe, she says. There are a few studies that focus on harm reduction education programs in schools and more research is needed to evaluate their efficacy. But experts told NPR that harm reduction could help save lives at a moment when teens are dying at alarming rates. A pilot study of Safety First curriculum found it significantly increased high school students' knowledge of harm reduction techniques and behaviours and found a decrease in overall substance use. Well, that's uh, unusual given that education and works in every other area. And important because people say it increases people's drug use when they know more about it. But no, 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 it doesn't. Knowledge is important. Mm. Uh, well, what does harm reduction look like in the classroom? Last spring, Cameron McNeely stood in front of a group of high schoolers and told them they had a choice to make. Will they or won't they use drugs? I'm not here to judge you for that, he said, but hopefully I can present some information that gets you to understand the consequences of those choices, yes or no, a little better, and hopefully to get you to steer clear of substance use. McNeely, 28, is Director of Youth Education for Overdose Lifeline, and they've created a drug education program. I hope it's not based on abstinence, but anyway... In the presentation, McNeely shared statistics on drug-related deaths, explained how opioids affect the body, emphasised addiction is a disease, which I don't agree with, not a moral failing, well, that's true, and explained why it's a good idea to carry naloxone. So he's got some good ideas there. To hammer that point home, McNeely shared a personal story. One night while in college, he and his friend took some pills to relax. Shortly after, he noticed his friend had fallen asleep and looked like he was struggling to breathe. 
Little did I, did I know, about five feet away from me, my friend was having an overdose, McNeely told the students. He called 911 and emergency responders were able to revive his friend with uh, Narcan, naloxone. It saved his life. Narcan buys time, which is the most important thing to have in any overdose. After the presentation, McNeely told NPR he had little to no drug education in high school. Nobody ever told me how to drink safely or how if I use pills they have different effects on you, what like those effects are, how they could kill you. One night, one bad pill, it could all go down the drain. McNeely's experience is far from, it was not uncommon. Drug education across America is ad hoc, often outdated or just not provided at all. Mm. In a 2021 national survey of drug use and health, only about 60% of 12 to 17-year-olds self-reported that they saw or heard drug or alcohol prevention messaging in school. And there's no way to track what type of drug education program is being offered in schools nationwide. Quote, I just wanted to try to fill in gaps that I felt as I was growing up in my dr- drug education, McNeely said. Mm, that's the way I feel, Jeffrey. and I was just going to say, you know, the drug, just say no is not drug education. No. And uh, but that was what I got when I grew up. Yeah. And it's been the primary message in schools. Yeah, but it's it doesn't, no matter how you look at it, that's not drug education, no, is it? It's yeah, a, slo- it's a slogan. It's anyway, the way they're saying this, the article goes on, the just say no messaging of the past doesn't work or didn't work. McNeely's presentation is a far cry from the drug education of prior decades. Like the Drug Abuse Resistant Education Program, commonly known by the acronym DARE, launched in 1983, that was Nancy Reagan. Nancy Reagan, yep. DARE was taught by police officers in classrooms worldwide. Their presentations warned students about the dangers of substance use and told kids to say no to drugs. It was a message that was repeated in uh, the PSAs and cheesy songs. Former First uh, First Lady Nancy Reagan even made it one of her major causes. (laughs) Teaching drug abstinence remains popular among some... I don't think you have to teach abstinence, Jeffrey, (laughs) do you, really? It's kind of a natural course of events. Um, you choose to use drugs or not. They love absence. And the US Drug Enforcement Agency's messaging to teenagers still focuses on the goal that they should be drug-free. But numerous studies published in the 1990s um, and early 2000s concluded programs like DARE had no significant impact on drug use. Well, what a surprise. And one study actually found a slight uptick in drug use among suburban students after participation in DARE. In 2009, DARE rebranded with new curricula from students, dubbed it, quote, keeping it real. (laughs) But the program doesn't focus on how students can minimise their risk of harm if they do choose to use drugs. Quote, it's clear that just saying no is not sufficient, says Nora Folkov, the director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse. We like the theoretical perfect don't touch a drug abstinence, but that's not necessarily the reality for everyone. Well, it's not necessarily the reality for anyone, as a matter of fact. Volkov says the failures of past drug education programs haunt current efforts to inform young people and the risks of fentanyl. For years, anti-drug curricula 
exaggerated the effects of certain types of substance use. She says, for example, students were taught that using cannabis would destroy their brain or make them dumb. (laughs) And while there's data to suggest that cannabis use can have a detrimental effect, particularly for young people, that messaging didn't always match students' lived experiences. And that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's my fundamental point, I would say, out of all of this, is if a student has a lived experience that contradicts what's coming out of an educator's mouth, they're not going to believe anything. They will anything. not believe anything else that comes out of that educator's mouth. The, and the issue about peer education is that, that it confirms what people are thinking. Yeah, If your experience is positive or negative, you can tell your, the person you're educating. I'd always go for honesty. Happened. Absolutely. I'll honesty just, is the goal. I haven't got time to summarise the end. It says meet young people where they are, not where you want them to be. Yep. Uh, school curriculums that teach kids how to reduce the harms related to drug use can help save lives, but they're not a cure-all. Schools alone can't solve the fentanyl crisis. Rather, it requires a cultural shift. Educators, families and communities at large need to start having honest conversations about drug use. Mm. And until we do, just having a 50-minute class on fentanyl is not going to be the sole defining moment for anybody. I think it's realistic, Myers says of the program, you've got to meet children and teens and use where they are rather than meeting them where you want them to be. And that's the problem, isn't it? It they is. want abstinence and they just mislead and have slogans. And yep. and as you say, if somebody realises this is not truthful, they're going to stop. That's right. Well, look, I think there's a point that just before the end of that article, because I took so long to read my paragraph, they taught us when we were children, if you cry wolf too many times, when the wolf really comes, no one's paying attention. Mm. And that's what happens with drug education. Good point. Because they've been bullshitted so many times, kids don't believe what yeah. comes out of the copper's mouths anymore. Yeah. Do not get the police to do drug education. Do get them to do drug law training. Yeah. yeah? Because that's what they know. They don't know about using drugs unless they acknowledge it, that they've personally used it, but they do know about the laws and the application of the laws. Yeah. So, yeah, don't cry wolf. Be honest and meet them Be where honest they are, and talk to people about to where they're up to and who can tell them how to use drugs safely. Yes. The first time you use a drug can be the last time you use a drug, yeah. and that's something we need to re- remember always. Indeed. Okay, we've whipped through... Uh, Quite a few stories there. I hope um, listeners found some of them interesting. 6253-3643 is the common number. Yep. Um, if you we to... have a podcast um, yep, that'll that's be out tomorrow. associated yep, yep. with the Canberra Lives Farm Minimisation. Uh, it's on their website, yeah, attached to their website. Uh, I, look, I'm not certain. We I know it's on all the anyway. major Podbean um, pod apps anyway. and it will be up tomorrow when Pete puts it up. So yeah, um, The AGM stuff, back to that, the f- close of business today is the last opportunity to get things on the agenda for yeah. the a- annual general meeting. So call so Mitch. So by 5pm today, call Mitch and put something on the agenda if you want to. Or if you want to just join Karma as a member, Indeed. you can do that. And we will um, give more details about the AGM next as, week. Yeah, because we've got three weeks before it actually becomes, bec- well, two more radio shows before it happens. Indeed. All right, get to play a little bit of the theme song, uh, Golden Brown. 
And we'll be back Stay back safe, week. everybody. We love you. Take Indeed. care. Yeah, Welcome take care. back, Jeffrey. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day Never a frown